Welcome to the Grace Vineyard Podcast, where we are building growing communities of worshipers who are becoming like Christ, empowered to do His work. We hope you enjoy this message. I won't be here next Sunday because I'll be at Santa Barbara, but Steve Rogers will be preaching. And we, we decided to do a two-week kind of mini-series called Better Together. And I'm going to do the first part of it today. And it's a topical kind of study. I've created like a Bible study. Like you might do, uh, you could do this in a small group kind of thing. So I have um, some principles from the Bible. Usually, I, I feel like usually I take passages of the Bible and read them together with you and then pull out from one long passage the teaching. This is more some several teachings or several places where Paul presents thoughts that revolve around the idea of that we're better together. And I, I want to say this right up front. For followers of Jesus, following him together is not only better, it's essential. So solo Christianity is just not a thing. And I'm, I'll tell you right now kind of how I'm going to teach this because I want you to learn it. And I want to be like a teacher today. So I'm going to give you kind of three ideas right now, and then we're going to go back and we're going to read scriptures about those ideas. And the three ideas are these. One, our Creator has designed us. You are created, if you didn't know that. It wasn't from goo to the zoo to you um, by way of mutation. Uh, It was actually a Creator who lovingly created you with a purpose. Our Creator has designed us. This is important. It's important for everyone watching on Facebook. It's important to tell your friends. He's designed you so that you will only find ultimate meaning and purpose in relationship with Him. If you try to find ultimate meaning and purpose on your own, you will come short. You will be lost. You might find fame, you might find riches, but you won't find meaning and purpose and you'll be lost. You're created to be in relationship with your creator. That's the first big idea. The second is that his purpose, our creator has a purpose in us and through us. In us and through us. In both aspects, the in us aspect of his purpose and the through us aspect are equally important and they kind of work together. They kind of need each other. They feed off each other. They bless each other. That's the second idea. The third idea is that our creator has chosen to fulfill the purposes in us and the purposes through us as we together serve his mission. He's chosen to fulfill purposes in us and through us in the context of together serving his mission. So that's the, that's the flow of today, class. And then we'll read scriptures that, where Paul teaches those kinds of concepts and bring it all together in um, kind of a path for our life. But this is to stir us up, some of us to remind us of what we already know, but some of us to maybe teach us something new for all of us to stir up our hunger and our desire to be fulfilled in God's purposes, find our meaning the way he designed us to so that we will dive more fully into life together. 
Let's pray and ask God to help us understand his word. Father, we're approaching your word to learn from you. We pray that as we look at these concepts and these principles that you've given us in your eternal word, that you will make them alive to us. They won't be words, ink on a page, pixels on a screen, but they'll be life, breathe life as we read your word afresh today. Help me to speak clearly thoughts that you've inspired me with. Help us all to hear with the hearing of faith. We will be transformed, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first concept I said was that we only find our ultimate meaning and purpose in life in relationship with Christ our Creator. This is a beautiful passage of Scripture from Paul's letter to the church at Colossae, the Colossian letter. And I'm going to read it to you out of the message paraphrase. It says this, we look at this Son, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and see the God who cannot be seen. Isn't that beautiful? You want to know what God looks like? Look at Jesus. You want to know what God acts like? Look at Jesus. We look at this Son and see God's original purpose in everything created. For everything, absolutely everything and everyone, absolutely everyone, below, above, the visible, the invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. That's a really good message to tell your friends when they are kind of lost in life. You know, when people say the phrase that someone's lost, and, and then people respond, well, I'm not lost. I know where I'm going. And they don't get what you mean. And maybe you don't know what you mean. When you say that someone's lost, what you mean is they're lost to God. My glasses, I was going to grab my keys, but my glasses, I'm constantly losing them. Sometimes I go like this, has anyone seen my glasses? And they go, they're right on your head, silly. My glasses never know when they're lost, and they don't really care. It's not to them that they're lost. It's to me that they're lost because they have a purpose in me. They have no purpose apart from me. Now, they don't know that. But they find their purpose in me, and when they're apart from me, they're not fulfilling their purpose. They are lost. When someone is not finding their purpose in relationship with their Creator, whether they know it or not, to their Creator, they're lost because they are not where they need to be. They have usefulness, they have meaning in connection with their Creator, so they are lost. Your life, everyone listening, your friends' lives will never make sense if we think that we find our meaning in our life. I'm the master of my destiny. You've heard that phrase. Those of us that are old, remember Frank Sinatra and then Elvis singing, I did it my way. Oh, someone said it, I did it my way. And now the end is near. So I face the final curtain, remember those words? <laughs> but then he sings, I did it my way. And you think, you are so lost. You weren't the master of your destiny. Someone else was. You were just deceived. But if you would do it his way, 
you'll find meaning because you were created by God and for God. I was created by God and for God. And when I remember that, everything begins to make sense. When people don't remember that, the world just devolves into chaos. When everyone's living for themselves, why do you think we have the problems we have in this world? People living for themselves. But if they knew that they would find meaning and purpose by sometimes saying no to their thing and saying yes to God's thing, they would find meaning and joy and purpose, harmony with the way the world is created. Someone said you can't rub your hand against the grain of the universe without getting splinters. The grain of the universe is that God created you for himself and you will find your meaning in him. So that's a good thing to know and to remind us. Now, most of us know that. Here's some things that God has for purpose in us. He has a purpose in us and a purpose through us. The first one I find in Romans chapter 8 in Paul's great letter where he describes grace and the purpose of grace and how grace works and how salvation is by faith in Jesus alone. It's all about grace by faith. And he teaches that one of God's purposes in you is to make you like Jesus. God's purpose in you is to make you like Jesus. Here's what Paul says, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This first part we know, we love this part, and we know that in all things God works for good, for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. But we often don't know the next breath of sentence. For... Here's why God causes all things to work together for your good. For those that God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. And then the next sentence is, or the next phrase is just phenomenal. That Jesus, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. How phenomenal is that? It's like Jesus is the older brother. And the plan is that you and I have put our faith in Jesus. We've come to salvation. We've been born of the Spirit. That we would be conformed to start to look like our older brother so we can have a big old family of a bunch of people that look like Jesus. That's God's purpose for you. This is all going to go toward better together. But we need these basic steps. You look like such a good class. You're paying attention. Okay, he wants to make us like him. But the second one, your life will not make sense if you do not know why you exist. Your life can make sense if you know why you exist and live your life in conformity with why you exist. The second one is that God's purpose in you is to make your life become praise and worship to him. When that happens... Things in this world are beautiful. It blesses him for certain, but it blesses us even more, I think, or at least equally, when people's lives are for worship and praise to Jesus, the Creator. The world is in harmony. Things flow well. Here's where we can read some of that. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. So Paul, again, is writing, and he's not writing chapter, chapter, chapter. He's writing a big, long thought to the church at Rome and to the church at Oceanside. 
after describing grace and God's mercy and Jesus laying down his life for us and rising from the dead so that we could know him, so that we could have relationship with him, Paul says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. My entire life is to be an act of worship. I'm not living that yet, but I think about it at least from time to time. And it really, that truth, if you can know that truth, you think that might impact how you treat your spouse? That how, my, how I treat my spouse is to be an act of worship to God? Because that's when my life makes sense, when the way I live brings worship to God. But here's another one. In Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus, in the opening, as he's just starting to write to them what he's going to write about, he says this, in Jesus we were chosen. We, I, did we sing, I am chosen? It's a lyric that we sing often, I am chosen. In Jesus you were chosen chosen. He chose you. You weren't so smart that you woke up one day in the middle of your sinful craziness and said, I know, I'm going to choose Jesus today. He chose you and pursued you, went after you, chased you down, threw a lasso around you, yanked you back to him. Some unwilling, some came running with arms open, but you got here. He chose you. In him, we were also chosen, having been predestined. He has a destination. I told you I'm going to Santa Barbara this week. I have a destination. I don't know exactly how I'm going to get there yet. I haven't looked at the map, but I'm going to get there. I don't know exactly how you're going to get to your destination, but you're predestined to get to this place. God chose you to get to this destination. He, having been predestined according to the plan... He has a plan for you the, and the world. The plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. You ha this is phenomenal. The, packed in this, in this sentence right here. This is just mind-blowing phenomenal truth about God's amazing power. You have free will and yet he works out the combination of all y'all's free will into conformity with the purpose of his will so that in the end what he wants gets done and yet you still have free will how on earth he does that i can't even comprehend how i have free will and yet i'm predestined to get somewhere but that's what the bible says so i'm just going to believe it because god's bigger than me okay so having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that here we're getting to the purpose we who are the first to hope in Christ might be, might be, might exist for the praise of his glory. The reason I exist is to be for the praise of 
His glory. The reason you exist is to be for the praise of His glory. We sang it all. You are wor- we sang it earlier. You are worthy of it all. Folks, Jesus, the Creator, is worthy of the praise of every living, breathing thing in all of the universe. He is worthy of it all. We are designed by Him and we find our meaning when we are praised to Him. That's why it is so refreshing to enter into praise and worship. It's what you were made for. Your body begins to resonate with your design when you worship. When we worship something else, it's distorted. You were designed to worship Jesus. Now this is one of the passions of my life. I cannot wait to see the entire planet erupt in praise when the Creator returns to this earth. I mean, stadiums filled with applause. I envision, I've told you this before, I'll tell you again, you can get an insight into my little brain's craziness. I envision the entire planet linked with technology like we can do now in one giant worship service. I envision stadiums all over the globe connected, probably via satellite and the internet and all that, simultaneously singing one song of worship to Jesus. Maybe we'll sing together. Do you picture hundreds of thousands and millions of people around the planet saying, Jesus, you're worthy. Jesus, we love you. You're worth everything we have. You're worth every breath we have. You're worth everything. He's worth it all. And when you live that way, you live into your purpose, and it makes you really happy. You were designed, you were created to be a praise for him. Does that excite you just a little bit? Can you picture that? There is a day coming when the entire earth will see their creator And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. It will happen. Some perhaps unwillingly, but they'll be on their knees because there'll be no question now. He is Lord. But those who gladly worship him now have the greatest joy. Out of our own free will and his leading and his drawing and his calling, we lift our hands and say, yes. You can have it all. We will sing to you. We'll live for you. You can have my money. You can have my family. You can have my future. You can have my job because you're worth it all. You're worth everything I have, Jesus. Isn't that true? I lost myself for a second there. The world makes sense when people worship their creator. The world is in chaos when people worship something else. It's in chaos. Okay, that was God's purpose in you. You guys are just, you're like in it. I love it when your eyes are like that. God's purpose through you. Well, you know this. Steve talked about it when he was telling us some announcements about the Harvest Crusade. God's purpose through you is to help people everywhere to know, and as an outflow of their knowledge, worship Jesus. God's purpose through you. We're going somewhere with this. This is going toward we are better together. But we're starting with the basics. We make sense, life makes sense when we're living from and for Jesus. 
He has a purpose in us to make us like him. He has a purpose in us to make us worship to him by our very lives. And he has a purpose through us. One of them, main one, is to help everyone everywhere know their creator and worship him with all their lives. We might call that making disciples. So here's a longer passage of scripture. Can you read a longer one with me? Ephesians chapter 3. No, chapter 1, I'm sorry. Continuing in that section where we were just reading. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and God chose us in Christ to be holy. That means set apart for him. Anything can be holy when it's set apart for God's purposes. Anything. This, this piece of metal here was just a piece of metal. But then it got set apart for the preaching of God's word. And now this is holy. You can be holy when you're set apart for God's purpose. That's what that means. Where was I? Uh, even before he made the world, God loved us, chosen Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Wow, Lord, you still got some work on me there. But I trust you. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. It gave God great pleasure when you said yes to Jesus and became part of his family. You made God smile. So we praise God for the glorious grace he's poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He's so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave us our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. Don't you love the way Paul writes about the glorious works of Jesus Christ? That's what Jesus has done. And now, he says this, God has now revealed us to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ Jesus. A plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. And this is the plan. You ever wonder what God's ultimate plan is? You want to know what God's will is? What's God's purpose? What is God's plan? Here it is right now. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth. I kind of think it's when Jesus returns to this planet and makes a new heaven and a new earth. But he will bring everything under the authority of Christ. His purpose through us is to join him in this plan. And that's what that whole section said. But we've heard it this way, the way I'm going to read it next, much more often. And this is maybe an easier way to remember it. Jesus gathered his disciples together and he said to them in Matthew 28, 18, it's recorded, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, you go and make Disciples make followers of Jesus of all nations. This is why in this church we say missions is so important. Missions for us means doing the work of making disciples around the planet. We must partner with people and send people, like Lisa and Steve were talking about Honduras. They've been, they're going to go again to help build the church there. Missions is essential because Jesus said, I want you to make disciples of all nations. All nations. 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Dallas Willard says that means more than getting them wet. It means immersing them in the full relationship and understanding of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Immerse them, baptize them into it. Teach them everything. Teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And know this, you're not alone. I'm with you to the end of the age. So God's purpose is... In us is to make us like Jesus. God's purpose in us is to make our lives praise and worship to him. God's purpose through us is to help people everywhere know Jesus and worship him with their whole lives. That is, be disciples, follow him, so that they too can have him in them, becoming like him, becoming worshipers, and the planet's changed. Now here is where we're bringing it together with this concept of better together. And if we had... You know, a, a class, I would, I would read with us through the entire text of the Ephesians letter, and we would f- see this concept built out in Paul's teaching. But this is how it's done. God has chosen to fulfill both his purpose in you and his purpose through you, together with the body of Christ as we serve him in his mission. And that's probably, you know, I look for the sermon in a sentence. That's probably the sermon in a sentence. So let me say that again. God has chosen to fulfill his purpose in you and through you together with the body of Christ as we serve him in mission. I've got a lot of friends who are in recovery, doing 12-step kind of programs and work. Um, Around here, you can't, you know, walk very far without bumping into someone who's in recovery, and it's beautiful. Recovery is brilliant, and if you don't know, all of the principles are right out of the Bible. And one of, if, if you hang out with people in recovery and you have your ears open, you'll hear certain phrases that get repeated. And one of the phrases I hear people say is, oh, we have to serve to survive. We have to serve to survive. And it's really true. Now, in the body of Christ, if we want to fulfill God's purposes together, we have to serve together. There, there, there's not another option. We do not fulfill God's purposes solo. It's never been the plan. It's never designed that way. Um, let's read Paul further where we were in Romans. Romans, chapter, how are you doing? Okay. If, if we do this well, you'll be able to go preach this sermon to someone else. If, you, if someone makes the request, I will put all my notes of everything I'm just saying and that you're seeing on the screen in a file on a computer system somewhere. If someone asks me after the service in an email, <laughs> and then you'll have it. Because I think this is helpful instruction for life. Okay? So... We're going to read, though, another section of Scripture, and that takes some concentration. But listen to this. Just as each of us has one body with many members. Look at yourself. Maybe look down. Realize, okay, one thing I notice is I don't have two bodies. I see two legs, but I don't have two bodies. I've got one body. But it's got many parts. There's a left leg and a right leg. And there's some hands and a mouth. And you know, you've got a lot of parts. Consider that. Just as each of us has one body but many members of our body, and these members don't all have the same function, obviously. My mouth, I can't walk on my lips, right? But I can't talk with my toes. It's it's just kind of, it's almost funny, right? Just 
As each of us have one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body. That's why we could celebrate earlier, thank God that God has put in our body a person, a part of the body named Greg Laurie, who is especially gifted with proclaiming the gospel, and he can design and build a team to fill a stadium with worship and praise and the declaration of the gospel that we can join in because we're part of one body. Just as there are many members but one body, so we in Christ who form one body and each member belong. Oh, we had to say this one. Each member belongs to all the others. I don't know if I like that. I just lost some autonomy. I guess I'm not living to myself. I guess I belong to you, and you belong to me. You're already starting to smell and taste how it is that God fulfills his purpose in me by making me part of you. One of the ways I learn patience is by having to deal with you. <laughs> Both ways, right? One of the ways I learn kindness is when I'm mean to you. And you say something to me about it. I go, oh. We belong to each other. Keep loose my place. Verse 6. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. Oh, someone just thought it because this always happens. Well, I don't have any gifts. I mean, Paul, obviously, he has gifts. Did you hear him sing and play the guitar and lead the band? And he's funny. And he's good looking. He has gifts. But me, I don't have any gifts. Someone thought that. Stop that stinking thinking. It's a lie. Yes, of course you have gifts. Of course you have gifts. Absolutely, every single one of you has gifts. Well, I don't know what my gift is. Well, we'll work that out, but you have a gift. Why? Because the Bible says so, and I also know it's true because I've lived on the planet for a couple years. So in Christ, we who are many form one body. Each member belongs to all the others. We all have different gifts according to the grace given us. And here's some examples. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. So go out and do it. You've got some faith, prophesy. If it is serving, I like how Paul puts prophecy, which usually gets elevated like, oh, that's amazing, to serving, which is like, oh, that's the janitor. Puts them right together. If it's served, because they're the same body, equally important. Maybe the one who does the janitorial work is a little bit more important than the one who stalks a lot. Just saying. If it's serving, let them serve. If it's teaching, well, if your gift is teaching, then get to teaching. If it's encouraging, let them encourage. Man, a lot of people don't know that that's a gift. The people that say, well, I don't have any gifts because I don't sing. But you know how to encourage the singer, and that makes it so important. If it's encouraging, let them encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let them give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. Have you ever met someone who just always is in leadership? I have a, I have a son like that. He was, he was born and he was bossing the doctor around, telling him how he should run his delivery room. <laughs> he it seemed like it. He just is a natural-born leader. He just really is. Every, every, first grade, class president. Everywhere he goes, he becomes the leader. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. I anticipate that he will have roles in the body of Christ to help lead things. Because that's how God made him. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. If, if you're one who, who shows mercy, by the way, 
Stop grumbling about it. Do it cheerfully. You know, people that need mercy, they need someone to come and help and clean up the mess and care and be patient. You met, you're sometimes the mercy. You ever think like, how come I'm always the one that has to show mercy? No one ever shows me any mercy. And then now you're grumbling. So you missed it. Get back to showing mercy cheerfully. And Paul just wraps it all up like this. Love must be sincere. Hate what's evil. Cling to what's good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. So we're getting to the heart now of this concept better together. But essential together is the way I want to say it. You know, I think you could win a tennis championship in a singles game. You will never see a football center play the game on the field by himself. Who's he going to hike the ball to? Or a defensive lineman? Football is a team sport. It does not work without a team. Christianity is a team sport. It does not work solo. You are not a solo player. You are part of a team. I'm thankful for things like Christian TV, Facebook Live. We're doing that right now. And it's useful, especially for people that are stuck in their houses for any number of reasons. It's convenient. But if we ever begin to think that we are part of the church because we watch our favorite preacher from the South on TV occasionally, we are sadly deceived. That's not being part of the church. It could be useful for teaching because there's a gifted teacher on a television show from his church in the South or wherever, whatever, whoever your favorite Bible teacher is on the radio or TV. Good for you, listen to them. But that's not being part of the church. It's, it, that's not. It just isn't. And some people seem to think it is. Well, I went to church this morning on TV. No, you didn't. But you did hear a good sermon, and it did build you up. And that's great. Good for you. That's good. But it's not part of the church. It's not being part of the church. Because it's a team sport. We find our meaning and fulfill our purposes. This is God's design when we serve him together. I want you to hear that, believe it, think it. So we're going to hear now Paul in Ephesians. I mentioned that we would get to this, talking about this. How we've done it. Ah, we're going to make it. Ephesians 4, verse 11. Paul says, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, some of the gifts. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. Their responsibility... Oh, this, you've heard this, hear it again. If you haven't heard it, hear it for the first time. Their responsibility is not they're doing all the work of the church. Their responsibility, they get paid to make you work. I get paid to make you work. That's my job. It says so right here. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. You might not have been around when you all decided to hire me. But at some point, there was a group of people that said, let's hire Ron to be a pastor. And they hired me to make y'all work. Did you know that? I'm not doing my job when I'm doing all the work and I'm exhausted and people are sitting around applauding. I've failed them. I'm doing my job when I'm helping equip everyone to do the work of God's ministry. But it gets better. 
This will continue until we all come to such unity in faith. Here we see God's work in us, becoming like Christ. And knowledge of God's Son, that we will be mature in the Lord. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. People, newsflash, we've got a long way to go. People that are outside of the church say, I like that Jesus, but those Christians are the meanest people I've ever met. You ever thought that? Run into a church like that? Part of our job in doing the work of God's ministry, part of what can happen and should happen as we're serving him, and not an audience, but serving him, is that he works in us in the process of serving him together, the nature of Christ. That's what we just read. Then we will no longer be immature children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies that sound so clever like the truth. Uh, YouTube, by the way, videos that sound so clever, but they're lies like the truth, but they're not. Everything you hear on the Internet is not true. You know that. Not every conspiracy is true. Do not believe everything you hear. In fact, if you hear it on Facebook or YouTube, start out with questioning it. <laughs> Maybe default to it's probably not true. I guess I'll try to prove it is true. Okay? Not every conspiracy is true. Most are not. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so they sound clever, they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love. That is speaking of relational maturity. When we are working together, and as a result, we are in conflict. Because if we work together in relationship, we will always have relational trouble. So in that context, as we grow maturity, we speak the truth to each other. When you did that, I didn't like it, but I love you. And that's why I'm telling you, right? Truth in love, we will grow in every way to be more and more like Christ. Purpose number one, Christ in you, that you become like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Listen to this. Listen, this is an amazing sentence. As each part does its own special work, as each part of the body is functioning, doing the work that you were called to do, serving together the mission of Christ. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. I grow when you do your work. You grow when I do my work. When I don't do my work with us together, serving the mission of Christ, you lack in your growth. When you don't you do your work as we serve the mission of Christ together, I lack in my growth. I need you. You need me. We need each other. We're not only better together, we are essential in being together. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and full of love. Now as Paul continues teaching, he's going to talk about some of the problems we have in relational difficulty. And I'm just going to hit some of them. But this identifies, this lays out this fact that God fulfills his purpose in you and through you as we together serve his mission. What happens when, that, when we do that together? Have you ever tried to work with somebody? How'd it go? Have you ever had conflict at work? How about everybody that's ever worked on a team has had conflict? Has anyone ever been married? Has anyone who's been married not had conflict? 
You can't be married and not have conflict. If you're married and don't have conflict, I wonder what kind of marriage you have. Like, do you not live together? <laughs> do you not do anything together? Of course you have conflict because you're two different people with two different opinions and two sets of desires, two sets of plans, and you don't know how to communicate very well, and you're male and female, so you certainly can't you speak different languages. Like, I, you will have conflict. And it's in the conflict that you can become like Christ. So embrace the conflict and work through it. If we do teams of people that serve the body of Christ, I don't care if you have a team leading worship. You should hear these guys fight sometimes. Seriously. Throw their guitar down and storm out of the building. Then one falls and says, come on, bro, I love you. They come back, I'm sorry, I love you too, I don't know what happened. And they work it out. That happens. Sorry, newsflash, if you didn't know it, that's the, way, that's the truth. That's exactly how it works. You go serve the hungry, the homeless together. You're going to have conflict. You're going to work it out. Hopefully you're going to work it out because it's in serving together that God has determined that you will grow into fulfilling the purpose he has in you and through you. His will gets accomplished and you grow. We become like Christ. And if we don't, just throw down our tools, throw down our ball and say, I'm going to go play somewhere else. I bet they're nicer somewhere else. If we don't do that, but we work through our stuff, we grow together in love and maturity until we become more like Christ and his purpose is fulfilled in us and through us because we're not only better together, it's essential that we together serve the purposes of Christ so that we can fulfill his purposes in us and through us. Okay. Here's some examples, and this will land this, this long sermon. One of the things we just read was speak the truth in love. So Paul, the next section, he says this, verse 25 of chapter 4, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor. Why? Because we are members of one body. Saying, well, what was that movie? Or Jack Nicholson, I think, says, you don't want to know the truth. You can't handle the truth. A few good men. You can't handle the truth. Well, in the body of Christ, you can handle the truth. Speak truthfully and love to each other. Sam will grow. Deal properly with anger with, for each other. Well, why would you do that? Because you're going to get angry at each other. In your anger, don't sin. So you can be angry and not sin. You get angry, now you need to deal with it. Well, you start dealing with it by speaking the truth in love. Uh, the best way to do that, by the way, is like if I'm mad at Takashi, I'll go over to Chris and tell him why I'm mad at Takashi, right? That's going to solve it? No, never do that. It's called triangulation because I just made a triangle and it never works. Write this down. Triangulation never works, ever, ever. Triangulation never works. Speak the truth in love. If I'm mad at Takashi, guess what I need to do? I need to get over my fear and get together with my brother and confront him. So you know what he can do? He can say... I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And I say, absolutely. And we embrace and we love each other more after the conflict than we did before the conflict. That's how it works. In your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. In other words, come on, deal with it in a hurry. You're angry, deal with it. Don't let it boil over and don't talk to anyone else about it. Talk to God and talk to your friend. Because you'll give the devil a foothold if you do. The next one I love, get a job. Why should you get a job? So you can buy more stuff. No, the purpose of work is so that you have something to give those in need. 
Did you know that the reason you have the ability to have a job and make money is so that you have something to give? No, I thought it was so I could get a bigger house and live the American. No, you might get that, but the purpose for you to work is so you can give stuff away. Here's what it says. He who has been stealing. He's talking to people that were formerly like all of us, and now they're in Christ. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. Get a job so you can give some money away. That's the body working together. Use your mouth to build each other up is the next thing. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. But only what is helpful for building others up. This is so practical, people. This is why we're better together. You can't do this if all you do is watch someone preach on TV. You do this when you are in some kind of project of serving Christ's purposes together. You use your mouth to build others up according to their needs that it might benefit those who listen. In general, he just kind of closed like this. Put off your old sinful ways of relating and now treat each other the way Christ treats us. And this will be the end of what we're going to read. Ephesians 4, verses 31 through 32, the wrap-up. Get rid. Throw in the garbage. Toss aside. Rebuke. Renounce. Say, I don't want any more of this in my life. Get rid of all bitterness. Rage. That's when anger bubbles up and you see red. Your face turns red and you can, you're shaking. You're so mad. Get rid of rage. Get rid of brawling. Well, that's when rage has overflowed. <laughs> and slander. It's when you use your mouth to assassinate people. Along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. Wow. Treating each other the way Jesus treats me. In fact, be imitators of God, therefore. As dearly loved children. Children imitate their parents. They say what their parents say. Unfortunately, they say what their parents say sometimes. Don't you, have you ever seen a kid? Have you ever run into someone and you don't know who they are and you just watch them and you know who they are? You know what family they're from? Because they act like their parents. I've, I've seen that. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Did you hear what I just, I said, the sermon there. God's purpose for you is to become like Christ. How does that happen? In the context of doing stuff together for Jesus. This is what we just read. So here I'll say it all again. We are better together as we work together Serving the mission of Jesus Christ. Christ's purpose is not only fulfilled through us, his purpose is fulfilled in us. Now I'll read one sentence from the Ephesians passage in the New Living Translation. He 
makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. I wonder, 11 o'clock, what if I told you a brief version of my story for a few minutes? I've lived a lot of what we've just read. One of the catches for a lot of Christians is they go, I want to do my ministry. I want to start my ministry. My, 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 my. And I can't do anything until I find out what God's called me to be and what my special gift is. So I'll just sit here. I need to be fed more. Feed me. And then we have people fat. Doing nothing. So some of you know my story that I grew up in the church and loved the church. And as a young man of 14 or 15 thought it would be really cool to be a pastor. But I also knew that it was illegal for someone to try to be a pastor without God's calling. That would be like a big sin. You get in trouble, you do that. No one can do that. I don't remember, I'm 14 or 15 at this time, and I don't remember if I had a lot of ego, but a 14 or 15-year-old probably did, and I probably thought how cool it would be to be the guy in front talking to the people. I probably thought that. So, But I did have enough sense to know it would be illegal to choose to go to Bible school where they make preachers and come out a preacher. Go to the preacher factory, stamp out a preacher, go to a church, start your ministry. I knew that was illegal, so I prayed and asked God, would you like me to go to Bible college and be a pastor? And I felt like he said no. At that point, I made a crucial decision that's part of this teaching that changed my life. I said, fine, I will go do something else. I'll get a degree in computer science, but I will serve you. I commit this day. I will serve you in your church for the rest of my life with all that I have. And at that time, the best vision I could have was maybe you'll let me play the piano for some little church somewhere. And that's what I'll do. Because if you want me to play the piano for a small church in the country somewhere, I will play as best I can and I'll give you my all. And that's how I began to live. Now, here's the principle that's related to this. This is a really good principle. It goes like this. It's hard to steer a parked car. Have you ever tried to steer a parked car? That can't do it. It's very easy for God to steer your life if you're moving. So get serving. If you don't know what to do, I got a spot for you in the Sunday school. I'm telling I'm serious as a heart attack right now. You get to serving in the body of Christ with your whole heart, loving it that you get to do anything for Jesus. And watch him steer you. So I did that. I went to school. I came to California, got involved in a church. Turned out I got involved in worship. Guess what? Before long, God steered me into traveling with an evangelist into many countries. Because I said, I'll serve you with everything I have because you don't let me be a pastor. I'm just going to serve in your church. And he steered me. And that led to one thing and another, and my path went here and there, and all of a sudden, I'm part of a church plant called Grace Chapel. 
working hard as a computer scientist. And Jack, our pastor that was planning the church, put together something called Team Grace and gave me a job. You'll be in charge of evangelism. I don't know the first thing. I'm not good at evangelism, but that's what I did. I'll, I'll serve in evangelism. Begin planning evangelism events. You know, when we used to go down to the band shell and do church services down there, that's because I was planning evangelism events. I didn't know what to do, so let's do something, go outside, preach the gospel, get and counter people. Before long, I was leading worship in the church right here. First Sunday that we met in this building, I led worship here. Just staring me. Before long, God said, I'm going to change everything and you're going to work for me in the church. You're going to be a vocational minister. I said, really? Well, I'm not going to tell anyone. I don't want my ambition to get in the way. If it's you, you'll make it happen. And I didn't even tell Kim. It wasn't too many months before I got a call from the pastor who said, can we talk to you? We'd like to hire you to be an assistant pastor. And I thought, that's not surprising because you said you were going to do this. And I ended up at the place that I asked, could I be there? It just took me 15 years to get there. But I did it and experienced serving, and I experienced untold formation that I wouldn't have gotten if I'd gone to Bible school. Untold formation in team after team after team, working with one group, working with another group, working with another group, working under people, working over people, learning the experience and the rhythm of doing projects and doing teams and doing service and the mission of Jesus Christ together with many people who instructed me, who taught me, with whom I made terrible mistakes, whom I offended, who offended me. Most of it worked out. And I lived this message, and I'm still in process, but I'm a little bit more like Jesus than I was when I was 15. And I'm doing more. And I'm having a blast. It is so fun to serve Jesus. He likes it. I like it. I'm finding meaning. His purpose is being fulfilled in me and through me. And it's working. Folks, if you are not involved in serving the purposes of Jesus in a team of people, you are missing out and you're probably not going to fully fulfill what you've been designed to fulfill. There is a destiny for you. And the path to that destiny is in the body of Christ working together. It's not solo. I guarantee you, it's not solo. So I hope that you will grab a hold of this concept. We are better together. Not only are we better together, but in the body of Christ, it is essential that we be together serving his mission so that his purposes of making us like him, his purposes of making us a praise and worship with our very lives, and his purpose of helping people all over this planet know and follow Jesus and worship him with their whole lives can be fulfilled as we serve the Lord together. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message. 
This weekly podcast is available on our website, gracevcf.org, where you can learn more about Grace Vineyard and our vision for people everywhere to know and worship God.